everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to the Super Revenue Brothers with Raul and Tony. In today's episode, we're talking about SaaS as a business model. Is it doomed or not? If you have been listening to some of the LinkedIn pundits lately, you might actually think so. In today's episode, we're debating whether or not that's actually true. Enjoy. Funny story, Mikkel and I were scheduled to have an interview today with the Walnut CRO, Katie. She's awesome. But he couldn't do it because he got punched in the eye by his child or one of his children. <laughs> and legit, he had to go. This is like funny, not funny. It's after the fact. It's, it's funny, luckily. But he had to go to the emergency room to get his eye checked out. And he's basically blind for the next two to three days. Yes. And so it's, don't don't have kids. It's dangerous. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna probably kill you having that. Right? And that yeah, there is a very fun. clear lesson in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or don't get too close to them. Don't get in like punching <laughs> distance. <laughs> you could still podcast probably, even with no eye. No. So apparently, it's, it's really painful. Even so, it's funny texting with him. Like the <laughs> anyway. Let's not talk about this. But while he isn't dead. I was wondering what, what else might I roll. That that was a good intro. I'm proud of you for that one. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks like you prepared for a long time, which we always do, of course. This time, I want to talk about something that's been going on for maybe a couple of months now, uh, and especially now in the beginning of 2024. Is software as a service, as a business model, dying or going to die in 2024? Yeah. And there's a lot of noise around this topic, and everyone thinks that very strongly that we're doomed in SaaS. But they come from different directions, and I wonder what your direction is. Let's kick off with where this is originating from, because I think it's coming from Jason Lemkin himself, the godfather, the grandfather of SaaS, if you will. So he's the Sastra host, basically. And he's doing a lot of, he's also doing investing himself, so he's very much dialed in. And he recently, on a couple of podcasts, talked about this 6x multiple on public SaaS. Right, So basically, he is looking into public SaaS stock all the time because that's where the market is going. That's where he is an investor needs to think about who are going to be my buyers of my assets. And he's been looking into this for a long time now. And he basically came out and said, hey, this is now the third year that SaaS is trading at a 6x multiple on revenue publicly. And that's just fundamentally different from the 10 to 20 to 50x crazy days that we had previously. He wonders whether or not we have learned already to adjust to to build companies that only trade at 6x, kind of the investor community maybe hasn't adjusted yet. And then he poses the question, if this isn't going to go back up again, is SaaS still investable, basically? And I think this is where the SaaS is dad thing comes from to a degree. I think there's another angle to it as well. But at least this is the information that I picked up. And I think that's also... It's also a pretty interesting and uh, is a pretty logical perspective on this, right? Is is that kind of the the angle that you also picked up, bro? Funnily enough, I also think that there is two directions, and I was also thinking top down, bottom up. Mm. You actually described it better than I probably would have the top down component, and they're probably the same at the end of the day. But then the other thing that I see uh, a lot getting talked about is the underlying mechanics of how building a SaaS, not just the go-to-market, but everything mm. that goes into building sort of the revenue engine of a SaaS model is just much more difficult right now. And there is friction in basically all the creases and you're going to have a hard time as, a, as an end result building a scalable SaaS business, which at the end of the day, that is and, and still should be the beauty of SaaS is the scalability. 
and and also the speed that you could go on that. And and people are going out and saying that basically everything that you need to do that was easy in 2020 and 2016 and 2010 is now very hard. So that yeah. is the bottom up view on things. I think there are around uh, 15 to 20,000 SaaS B2B businesses out there. We have had multiple exits. All of those companies are worth billions. I think the whole AI trend is still, it's reaching peak hype right now or has reached peak hype in Q4. I think now even publicly, the companies investing in in AI kind of R&D wise, they're starting to like, not, it's not really paying off. It's not really giving us the productivity boost. It's not really giving us all the other products we want to sell. So let's just be real about SaaS being a very successful business model, period. And it has been for the last 20 years. I think it's, also still a better business model than perpetual business uh, licenses that we came from, right? Remember, and maybe many of you can't, but before SaaS, you basically bought SAP for, I don't know, $5 million a year, or, uh, and then or f you bought it for $5 million actually, period. And then uh, three years later, someone else came knocking on a door. It's like, hey, now you need SAP 2.0. And you're going to pay us $10 million, right? It's very high barriers of entry, very high implementation costs, very difficult to sell, only for enterprise. And the company that sold you this thing wasn't really incentivized to build a great product. They were incentivized to build a great sales machine. Because once you had the CD-ROM in your hand, they were like, bye, <laughs> see you maybe, mm -hmm. maybe in five years. And SaaS has fundamentally changed that, right? Instead of a big upfront cost, it's really small incremental cost. You pay as you go. The company is really interested in how you're using this thing. So I think from that perspective, the business model itself and how it connects to the market, I think that still makes a ton of sense. I think the hype is gone, but I also do believe that the hype really only happened from 2020 to 23 or something like this, or into 2022 or whatever the time was now. And, and before that, SaaS was pretty difficult as well, by the way, because back then we had the problem of, at least in Europe, so when I was selling SaaS 2012 to 2000, like and, until now, people were like, I don't know, this like web application and it's like in a browser and I don't really own it and other people are in the same data center but I want to have it there were all kinds of other frictions also let's not forget about that right selling yeah. this thing so I'm I'm not quite 100% sure how the public markets are going to behave if I was I would probably not be sitting here and chatting my time away <laughs> but I can say that SaaS as a business model is still a very good one is it the best one I don't know. And then it almost poses the question, what is the one-up of SaaS, actually? Yeah. And interestingly, you say this remarkably as a founder of a SaaS company, basically, at the end of the day. And, and you went into a couple of topics there. I want to pick one of them up, which is, what's the alternative? So what would it be if not SaaS? And I think, to me, the way that I interpret this discussion, and I said this before the podcast, it's sometimes easy to take these echo chambers that form on LinkedIn and these individual pockets of discussion as gospel and as truth. There's this sort of virality of opinion, even in the professional world, which I find yeah. very weird, but still interesting sometimes. And I've been looking into that a bit. One of the things that I've, that I've thought when I looked at that is the way that these discussions go, and there's a lot of valid points, but the way that these discussions go, the underlying assumptions of what SaaS is almost always heavily based on just a very few ways of doing SaaS, like, like a very specific, basically, so the discussion is basically the word that they say is, this is what the problem of SaaS is in 2024. What they mean is this is the problem of a company that goes to market like Gong in 2024. This yeah. is the problem of a company that goes to market like Outreach in 2024. 
or like Salesforce or HubSpot would in 2024. And but so I it's like a very specific view on what that means when actually the SaaS world is much bigger than that. I think what they're sometimes throwing together, right? I think the Jason Lemkin argument is like rock solid. It's like super clear crystal. A, SaaS company here, SaaS company there, worth less problem, right? And then yeah. you have the LinkedIn echo chamber that sometimes goes from SaaS is going to die, but usage-based pricing is the solution. It's, it's still SaaS, you know that, right? <laughs> and then to your point, to your point, people are actually questioning the go-to-market model or the go-to-market kind of way of doing it rather than the delivery model, which is SaaS, right? That's the yeah. idea. And at the end of the day, whatever you're going to sell, eh? uh, I don't know, renewables, deep tech, whatever it's going to be, all of these go-to-market strategies there, I think they're all being tested right now. Whether Whatever you're selling, you could be selling pens <laughs> right now. And, uh, and you still would be like, this outbound thing used to be a little bit cheaper. Than it's now, yeah. and uh, and I don't think it has anything to do with SaaS particularly, right? And again, this whole usage-based pricing, PLG, all of these things, at the end of the day, they're also just they're also just SaaS. And it's to maybe remind some folks if they're getting confused between those two things. Saw a really funny post from Elena Werner yesterday. She's like a PLG like thought leader, um, mm. and she was basically saying, "Hey." PLG is great. I built my whole career on PLG. PLG is the best thing since sliced bread. But eventually, if you want to make real money, you'll need to have an enterprise sales team. <laughs> and she said, the only mistake people are doing in this PLG world is they're getting forced into the enterprise sales thing too early. Because, hey, there's a time and it will come eventually. And the way you're going to get there is through PLG. But eventually you need to grow up to, to enterprise sales. And then what did you go now from a PLG room, which is okay, uh, and then graduated into the SaaS world, which is apparently not okay. So I think all of these things are the same thing, actually. So that's why just saying SaaS is dead, I think it's pretty, it, it's challenging right now, I think, but it's, I think it's pretty silly. I think I've, I've looked at so many posts this week. I could still tell you who it was. I don't think I'm going to out someone here. But one of the basically discussions that was, uh, the funniest to me is that basically someone was making a very long post on LinkedIn and, and they were talking about how SaaS is dead. And then they were making a, a very nice and smooth transition to the argument that PLG is now king. PLG yeah. is the future. <laughs> so basically the argument was SaaS is dead, long live PLG. Yeah. And I was really, I wouldn't say that I was chuckling in front of the screen because at the end of the day, you don't really do that. But man, uh, that is like a joke uh, in, in the business world that, that yeah. you could make and like an insider joke if you're into that. Th that's the point. SaaS is not dead. The, the underlying mechanics are changing. And people are obviously, and, and you really have to differentiate, I think, between sort of the, and, and you said this, Jason Lemkin going out there and saying, hey, this is what's actually happening. And from a top-down perspective, these are the underlying changes that are happening in the market. And mm. let's see why that is. But then also people trying to make a name for themselves on LinkedIn, having to post something that is obviously very, very outrageous or, or post it under it's, it's a, a hot title take. under a certain It thing. works well. I also sometimes do a controversial is good. But the, the thing is actually, and I think this is, again, PLG is, and if you ask those leading PLG experts, and I had some of on, on, on the other show, but they're basically saying PLG is just another sales motion. That's actually what yeah. PLG is. That's what yeah. it is. And if you want to compare PLG to something, it can't do apples to lawnmowers. You need to do PLG versus outbound. 
Yeah. That that's a conversation you can have actually, and it's also a conversation where you kind of like pros and cons, and we're comparing on the same axes here about PLG versus SaaS or usage-based pricing or whatever it's going to be. All of that stuff is freaking silly, actually. And and that is where that argument comes from, right? So the argument that that was put forth and also that was continued in the discussion basically was outbound is difficult in 2024, uh, and outbound equals SaaS, therefore yeah. uh, SaaS is dead. The, new, the future is going to be PLG, but um, we are confusing business models and go-to-market models here. So after we've kind of demystified this, what does SaaS actually mean? Let's talk about the the, the meat of the question still, though, right? Um, I think things have fundamentally changed. Uh, and, and maybe there's, you know, we're going to go back from 6 to 10x, and I think that, that will relax a lot of things again. Um, but the thing is, if they don't, if we stay at the five, six, whatever that means, I can't do fully the math myself either, right? But ultimately what it means is you will get lower valuations because let's just say you exit for, you want to exit, I don't know, for a billion or something like this, right? If you only get a, a 5X valuation, you need to grow to 200 million to get to a billion exit, right? Previously, you could exit for a billion at 50 million or something like this, right? Kind of 20X. What that then also means is your VCs, when they want to have the billion exit and they want to, I don't know, triple their money, I don't know, better what they want to do there, right? Or 10x their money or whatever it's going to be, they basically can only give you X of a valuation. And that X of a valuation, as close as you get to the exit point, will mimic more and more the 6X of the public market or the guidance of the public market. And that then basically also means when your valuations are depressed, that means you can raise less money. Because otherwise you suddenly give on one round 50% of the company away. That doesn't work either. So you're always constrained in the 10, 15, 20% range. And that means you will have less money to grow to get to those 200 million eventually, right? And now we're saying, okay, we well, need to get to a higher ARR with a lot of less money to make less money afterwards. And you still need to do it quickly. And I think that's difficult. It's It's been difficult all the time, don't get me wrong. But that is adding a... It's pushing on both ends, basically. Hey, you get less money, but we want more, and we still want you to do it really fucking fast. And <laughs> I think that that question is, can can it be done? Can it even be done in a, let's just say, a repeatable manner? You will always have the crazy outliers. They're just like, hey, look at my ice cream store, and everyone's like, wow, I want to have ice cream right now. And yes, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get to the number for the 99.9 rest of us of working through this and yes, we need to do some capital. We're going to make some mistakes. It's a question like, can that still be a thing that we can can jump in and repeatedly and with good chances for VCs also get to a good outcome, right? That's really the big question, I think. We're not doing the hot take here, but I think absolutely can still be done. And if you look at SaaS as a business model, and I think we both by now, I don't, I wouldn't, be able to put a number on how many SaaS companies we've seen, maybe also from the inside, talk to founders and understood how they made money. I would say I, I have seen quite the spectrum on, on, on how things are going. But, and by the way, this goes into my argument. One of the things you just said is basically this is also creating a downward spiral because SaaS is typically the way that we've done it or the world has done it in the last 10, 20 years, maybe. And I can speak very strongly for the last 10, 15 years, it's been a very money hungry model. And so yeah. in a money-hungry model, or, or at least a liquidity-hungry model, if valuations are falling, that means less money is coming in or is harder to come by. That's mm -hmm. a downward spiral that is very hard to come back from. Mm -hmm. But that's because that's how we did it in the past, and that's how it's been happening. 
And if you look at what's actually been happening out there in SaaS and what people are doing, then it's, it doesn't have to be such a money-hungry model. If, and I'm not saying that I would know how to do everything right, otherwise I would be building exactly that SaaS company right now. But what I do know is that there's a lot of inefficiencies in how that money is being spent. Yeah. And the argument that I would put forward, and, and I would at least be very confident in, is if you're going to obviously have a great product, right? There's By now, I think the times where you can just basically throw out a, a browser extension and build a unicorn out of that is probably over. I don't even know if a browser extension would qualify as SaaS, but you really need to have something of substance and something that people actually will love and that's going to be 10x better than something else yeah. or at least some X. But if you couple that with someone or some team of people that goes out there and, and has a good understanding of how to do this thing and has a good understanding of which channels to try and when to not try them anymore, that is not eager to, or that is eager to cut fat from the go-to-market motion and that has, sort of has an idea of how to do that. And if you go out there and spend that in a wise way, you can show that growth sometimes at a, at a fraction of the cost that other SaaS companies would have so far that would have raised money at high valuation. Yeah. So I think this is the argument I'm putting forward. If the underlying go-to-market motion becomes more difficult, go out there, be more efficient, it's still possible. No, but ultimately, how can you be more efficient in your go-to-market motion while you grow slower, right? It's really usually the way by growth is by doing things that are inefficient, you do them anyhow in order to acquire the next user and whatever, right? So I think you will just simply grow slower and I think that is okay. But I just had another thought cross my mind, right? When you think about macroeconomics, not sure when and if you had that in, in, in university, but if you increase tariffs of stuff coming in, right? Yes, it will be more difficult for this company sitting in another country to sell this into your country, but at the end of the day, your consumers in the country, they're gonna bear the burden basically of that, right? They may need to pay more for those goods. And then a couple of other kind of knock-on effects. I was actually just thinking, is it maybe worthwhile thinking about that basically, generally speaking, prices for SaaS products are gonna increase? Because one, one of the ways you can be more efficient is in per transaction, getting more money out of that deal, right? Instead of, and the thought crossed my mind because HubSpot, right? You think about HubSpot there, I don't know how old they're now, like 2011 or something like this, 2010, I don't know. Oh, way of, older, I think. Yeah, yeah but the older. thing is, right, back then when they were laughed out of the out of the VC arena because we're like, hey, you want to do SMB? SMB doesn't work. You need to go and do the enterprise sale. <laughs> no one can make SMB work. Now they've proven that SMB can actually work in this kind of space, super low prices, super low costs and stuff. Everyone is doing the same in order to gain momentum, low barrier to entry, yada, 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 all of that stuff. And I'm, that sometimes happens in a very unprofitable way. HubSpot maybe did it differently, but a lot of us are doing it very unprofitably. Uh, and maybe that's one of the things that will need to change. People need to increase their prices. Hey, I can't sell you this really expensive piece of software for 6K. Sorry, it has to be 24 or I can't do it for 20K, it needs to be 100K, or whatever it might be, that's almost, if I don't get the money from VCs, maybe I need to get the money from my customers. Yeah. And, and to a degree, <laughs> no. I mean, what I mean, a wild the, idea. I know. You heard it first here, by the way. Yeah. But thinking through this a little bit, and also, um, it's a little bit more, your competition is going to thin out as well. So, oh, they're, they're not going to get VC money. They can't undercut you in pricing. No, it doesn't work anymore like this. It's almost if this is going to continue, probably prices need to increase. I haven't thought about it like this to basically pass the cost through to the customer in the end. But I think this is what 
real businesses do, right? <laughs> That's how it works. The actual businesses in the real world, right? Yeah. Not in the VC-funded world. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I also think that a lot of tools nowadays are way too cheap. And if they were really confident in, in they were, that they were delivering the value that they speak of in their marketing materials, then they would have to increase prices and people would be very happy to pay those. So I guess SaaS isn't going to die. It's still going to be difficult, I think. Um, but, you know, in German, and I think it's, it's a universal saying, what doesn't kill you just makes you stronger. Um, yeah. And that's exactly what's going to happen to SaaS. I think 2024, I think first half of the year is still going to suck. I think second half of the year, we're going to see a relaxation. But I've been saying in six months, everything's going to be better enough for two years. So don't <laughs> don't don't trust what well, I say. But, but you did put a good argument. If you're lucky, it kills your competition. Yeah, that's true. Or you can buy it, by the way. Also, not a bad one either. Okay, Ro, thank you so much for this session. Screw all of those pundits on SaaS's that I think it's not. It's just a little bit harder than it used to be. So let's get building. 